What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Thursday here in the Blogging the Boys podcast network. And of course, that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your boy and your man, Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB and your boy, Roy, here rw3 on twitter you can hit us both up if you want to interact with the show and give us your thoughts right we'd love to hear from you and see how the cowboys are doing because tom we got back on the horse baby got ourselves a win against the new orleans saints it wasn't pretty and everybody was talking about how unpretty it was but i'll be quite frank with you i'm not giving away wins in the national football league these days especially for a football team that it finds themselves at eight and four with just five games to go and an opportunity like the one they have ahead to potentially put a clamp on this division. And in my opinion, this weekend really can kind of make or break the Cowboys 2021 season because you win against the Washington team. And I heard somebody on the air recently say they're not going to call them the football team because there are enough football teams out there and there's no reason to designate Washington. They've done nothing special to deserve to be called the football team. So I'm going to go ahead and call them Washington and Washington. While they do look good here recently, Tom, this is an opportunity for the Cowboys to put them right back into the place that a lot of fans feel they belong. Yeah. I've been thinking of them as the fighting teams for a long time. Uh, not the football team, just the fighting teams. Uh, and, yeah, this is – they're on a four-game uh, winning streak. Uh, with decent the Cowboys wins, is, too. With decent wins. They started yeah, this, this four-game winning streak against the Buccaneers, who mm-hmm. we all know are Super Bowl contenders. You know, they finished it off with Carolina, right? A game that was a, a tough game, although not a really difficult team a Seattle team that saw the return of Russell Wilson, and then a Raiders team that beat the Cowboys not a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, But this is is really down to getting the division lined up. And all of the NFC East teams are are involved in a massive amount of internal interdivision uh, fighting going on. I almost said it was almost incestuous, but that's not quite right. I think that's fair. I think that is. Yeah, fair. but but you know, Cowboys have four of the last uh, five games. I think Washington may have all five of its last five games uh, against division rivals. They do. And then uh, the Eagles and the Giants both have several to go, including against Washington and Dallas. So, yeah, it's just this is going to determine the NFC East pecking order and the Cowboys. I think they need to get this win uh, to feel, to be able to take a breath. Cause if they lose, it's a one game margin with four games to play and all the division East rivals, uh, the NFC East rivals 
including another game with Washington and Washington having the tiebreaker already in hand. You know, I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm nervous about this game because I think a lot of things are coming together for the Cowboys. Uh, there's certainly some question marks that have to be answered. But the Cowboys need to get this win. Just they, This is one of those they really need to take care of business games. Yeah, I, I mean, while I'm with you, right, that this is the opportunity to put the clamps on the, def- uh, you know, on the division and basically sew it up, I don't think I'm in the same place because on the other side, Washington needs this game more than you do, right? And I think there's something to that. Now, as good as the Cowboys do appear, and we're going to detail why we feel more comfortable with this week 14 version of the Dallas Cowboys than maybe any version we've seen so far this season. But when I think about, you know, do the Cowboys need to win this football game? Not, not in my mind. Do the, does Washington need to win this football game? Absolutely. They do. And I think from that standpoint, we are going to see a little bit of a divisional edge coming from Washington and the Cowboys are going to have to, you know, handle some of those early flurries that may come for a team that's fired up playing in front of its home crowd with an opportunity to really claw their way back into the fight. Now agreed. If Mike McCarthy can rally the troops and, and get everybody's mind in the right place, then the Cowboys should absolutely be treating this game the same way, right? As a do or die game in which if we win this football game, as you stated, we can take a breath and we can focus on our bigger goals. If we lose this football game, then now all of a sudden we are back to a week to week proposition in which the Cowboys really can't afford to look beyond the opponent that's right in front of them. And maybe you could argue they can't afford to do that at this time. Obviously they can't afford to do that with a Washington team coming in as hot as they are, but I don't feel the same type of urgency for the Cowboys that they absolutely have to win this game. I don't, I think even with their remaining schedule, um, you know, a game against the New York, the New York football team that I think is obviously going to be one in their favor. Yes. I'm concerned about the Cardinals game, you know, and who knows what the Eagles are going to be down the stretch. But for me, again, eight and five would not be the worst thing in the world for the Cowboys. And, you know, the next time they see Washington, well, they're playing at AT AT&T Stadium in a primetime game. So I think, you know, the edge kind of favors them from that standpoint as well. I hope they don't rest on that like you do, but I don't think I'm in the same place of feeling like they absolutely need to win this game. I'd love them to win this game. I'd feel a whole lot better if they won this game. And I'd feel like they're still in the race in the NFC if they did win this game. If they don't, then they're out of that. And the only focus is really winning the division and looking to see who you can match up with in in the postseason. Yeah, I just I guess I just have a uh, a completely different take on it. I'm I really don't want to see. Uh, the Cowboys having to 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 take another loss at this point. Uh, I th- I think if they beat Washington, they're probably going to win three of the last four, uh, and, and you know have a very nice uh, twelve and five record uh, while they're trying to figure out exactly where they uh, they stack up. Uh, you know, it's 
I just, I just don't, I don't think the Cowboys can afford to lose this very much. I'm afraid this would be the uh, that first little rock coming down the hill that could start a landslide that could bury the Cowboys at the end of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, I don't want them fighting just to maintain a wild card slot because they'd be in very good shape for a wild card slot. But I don't even talk about that. You know, I want to get this this win under their belt to get, like you said, that's going to just tighten their grip on the division because they really get one more win, especially if they – It's over if they get one more win, and that's where I kind of feel like, you know, whether another team cannibalizes Washington Mm -hmm. in their five final weeks of the season, right, if the Eagles Mm -hmm. are going to have anything to play for against the Cowboys in the final week of the season, then that will mean they will have have to have done some damage in these divisional matchups because they play Washington twice during that span. Um, I just feel like the other teams may cannibalize one another to where even if they did lose to Washington, I think the Cowboys would be doing enough to end the season to, to still find themselves winning the division. You know, it doesn't feel as good, but I still think they're in that position. And that's why I, I don't necessarily see them treating this game as a do or die. I don't. And I see Washington treating it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's not do or die, but it's, it's something I think they really need. I just, like I said, I don't want to open that door. I want to slam that door in, in Washington's face. Yes. Um, now the question is, can they? Yeah. And their big nose. Yeah. And the Cowboys should, cause there's something very peculiar about the 2021 Dallas Cowboys uh, in the second week of December. That's that this is the first time, not just this season, but since Mike McCarthy signed on as the head coach, this is the first time that he's going into a game with all the starters and key backups he was projected to have in the first game of the season. Uh, not quite and, all of them because of oh, yes, yeah, so, this week. Well, okay. You mean as far as not covering quite all of them? Yeah. Well, no, but, the backups, what I'm who I'm referring to is the guy who ended up on the you know injured list, did not practice on Wednesday, Tony Pollard. You know, they played last Thursday. So if we fast forward a week from then. You know, if they were playing a game tomorrow, Tony Pollard would not play one week after the last game he played. Now, but they're ex- the right now the team is going to get back. Team is hopeful he's back, but even if you take him out, it's still the healthiest team with the most starters. Undoubtedly, mm-hmm. this is yes. literally the first time in all of Mike McCarthy's games that the projected depth chart for Week One coming out of training camp has actually been there on the field. Uh, and that's amazing, not just for the Cowboys, but I don't know that that's ever happened before where a team reached week 14 and had all of their starters and basically the entire roster because they haven't really lost except for Blake Jarwin, who's kind of become almost an afterthought or a forgotten man, 
Uh, he's still on IR, and he's the only name of note. And Dalton Schultz has stepped in so well. Dalton Schultz was going to be the starter. Jarwin was probably going to be the backup if he'd been healthy. Now he's not healthy, so they've got Sean McKinn and uh, Jeremy Sprinkle are going to be filling in. I mean, you have to rack your brains to find anybody who's missing. That just doesn't happen. This is when things start piling up. And lo and behold, they're starting to pile up for that team from Washington. They're going through some. Starting with the Cowboys then, of course, we're talking about the expected return of both Randy Gregory and potentially Neville Gallimore, two players who – were taken off of the IR a week ago, designated to return, but did not make it back last week when their brother, Demarcus Lawrence, did wind up playing. So now, this yeah, weekend, I, I, we could see the return and really the four horsemen, which we yeah. may have to come up with a nickname for, between Tank, Gallimore, Randy Gregory, and, of course, the newest, most electrifying pass rusher in the game today, potentially, in Micah Parsons. And I say yeah. that tongue-in-cheek, but it may not be a joke. Yeah, and I I will say uh, they actually didn't activate Randy and Neville until this week. This was when they actually started the clock running on them, I believe. Uh, I, I thought, know at least I thought they were practicing a week ago, but if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. Yeah, I think the window started, and, and that's actually it's immaterial. It's just that right now all the words coming out of the uh, the team are that both of them are expected to be available to go uh, Sunday at noon uh, Central Time in Landover against the football team. And you're right on that, by the way. My apologies. They uh, this yeah. they did just begin their practice in today. Yeah. And Tristan Hill is done with his one game suspension. So. I mean, think about some of the things you could do with this. You kind of could make my pants happy there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was John Williams that threw out a 5 1 5 alignment where you put Tank, Gallimore, Osio Digazui, Tristan Hill, Randy Gregory across the front, Micah Parsons as your only linebacker. And then you've got Diggs, uh, Curse, Brown, Curse, Brown, Lewis, KZ. Yeah, would probably be your uh, your uh, your secondary. Mm-hmm. I like I'm that. not too sure they couldn't do a lot of that because Parsons is mobile enough in the run game to stop a lot. I think if you've got Gallimore and Odigizua. You're going to plug a lot of hill uh, uh, holes up the middle. Uh, hill can provide a little bit of pressure. You've got Randy and Tank on the edges. And then if, uh, you know, once it becomes clear they're going to pass, I mean, it takes Micah Parsons approximately 0.03 seconds to get across the line into the quarterback's face because he is just – phenomenally fast and just can blow past some of the, the blockers sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot they could do. And even if they don't get that exotic, don't you know that Dan Quinn is just slobbering all over himself at the chance of, of having all of these tools to throw 
uh, at Tyler Heineke. Uh, I know I would be a, as a defensive coordinator. It's like time to unleash the hounds. Yeah. You know. And and the last time they had, you know, the, the big three on the field together and Tank, Gregory, and Parsons, that was week one, but that was at a time when they really hadn't established Micah Parsons as the elite pass rusher that he's turned out to be, right? They kept him in a linebacker position pretty much entirely in that game against Tampa. I know they rushed him a few times, but I don't recall him being utilized as a defensive end or a pass rusher significantly in that contest. And I think that's something they could absolutely turn to because, you know, how do you defend if those three guys are rushing the passer? I mean, you you can't double team potentially more than two of them. And if you are doing that, someone else is probably running loose. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that Parsons is much better now than he was week one. You know, uh, he came in ready to play in the NFL, and he's just gotten better to where he is now. I saw that the PFF did a, a, a three-quarters of the way uh, all-pro team, and he was one of three rookies. The other two were uh, Rayshon Slater. And there's a rookie center, I believe, that they had on their all-rookie team. And Parsons was the only defender as a rookie that had made their all-rookie team. And that's that's the nature of the conversation. It's gone, it's gone from being defensive uh, rookie of the year and making the Pro Bowl to being an all-pro and being in the defensive player of the year conversation because – there are all these categories where he leads the league. Uh, and as people have noted, he's putting up these phenomenal pass rush numbers and generally has 56% of the pass rush attempts of the people he's being compared with because he does still play linebacker. Uh, you know, depending on the game, the Cowboys are manipulating his snap count as to whether he's lining up as a true linebacker or whether he's lining up as an edge rusher, which has to complicate the offensive coordinator's job. How do you account for Parsons when you aren't even sure what he's going to do? What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And it'll be up to Dan Quinn to see if he can unlock that craftiness, bring some of that pressure that uh, Mm -hmm. will certainly play into the Cowboys' favor. I think it might surprise some folks um, as to how good that Washington offense has actually been here over the past couple of weeks. Um, It's not been all about the return of their defense, although their defense has started to look at least like they were maybe projected to be at the beginning of the season. First couple of weeks of the season, they were giving up 30 without blinking. And now over the past couple of weeks, they've been keeping opponents to under 20 points uh, for their last five contests, I believe have come with opponents scoring less than 20 points against them. And so for that reason, you know, you might look and say, okay, Washington, maybe the defense is back, but Tyler, uh, Taylor Heineke, right? The quarterback whose last name is not always easy to pronounce. It turns out he's actually had one of the best EPAs per play since week eight in the entire NFL. In fact, he and Tua Tua Tagovailoa lead the NFL in EPA in terms of per play, right? As quarterbacks since week eight. That was a surprising read for me. Uh, Equally surprising, was how good the offense has actually been in Washington. They are averaging three minutes and 43 seconds per drive since week eight. And that is by far the largest number in the NFL since then, largely behind the renewed rushing attack that they've found. Um, I'm hoping the Cowboys will put a premium on stopping the run on early downs and force Heineke into kind of third and long types of situations. Obviously that's the goal of every defense. So I'm not stating anything earth shattering here, but it does seem like a formula that the Cowboys could focus on. And, you know, I, I hope that Dan Quinn will take his chances early by bringing lots of pressure and daring Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke to beat him either deep or to beat him by making extremely quick decisions with the football. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to Ryan Fitzpatrick as I go ahead and completely disrespect him. Fitzpatrick's injury probably worked in the team's favor. You know, the fighting teams are probably a better football offense <laughs> with Heineke than they would have been with Fitzpatrick. Uh and part of it, I think, is that Heineke is willing to play within what he knows he can do. Fitzpatrick would just kind of go crazy and try to work Fitz magic on everybody, and that doesn't do as well. So, you know, that really helped him. Now, it, I think it's good because getting Demarcus Lawrence back is not just about uh, the pass rush because he is an outstanding run defender uh he gets a lot makes a lot of plays you know right at or even behind the line of scrimmage in the running game gregory is not that bad and gallimore could be the piece that really makes it all come together that's what i'm hoping so maybe they can get that running game uh you know a bit more under control perhaps bring curse up a little bit in run support uh so 
then it becomes they go to the passing game. Uh, you know, they've they've just lost Logan Thomas, tight end. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. So that reduces their targets. Uh, so the defensive challenge is still up for the Cowboys. I think it's all going to hinge on can Dak Prescott kind of get back into his rhythm, which he seems to be struggling with. He just doesn't seem to be as comfortable. His reads aren't coming as easily or something. Um, But it's interesting to me that the Cowboys had one really good drive against the Saints. Coincidentally, or maybe not so much, it was the one, the first drive that Amari Cooper got back on the field. Mm -hmm. And they got to a third down. Uh, Amari Cooper had the 41-yard catch and run. It was like a a 20-yard completion. So it was a deep ball. And then Cooper got 21 more yards, I believe, on it. Uh, He got things going. Uh, CeeDee Lamb had the – it was a screen that technically went down as a rush because Lamb was like a yard behind where – Dak was on the field, but that was really a screen pass all the way. That got him down to the one. And then they just kind of showed off with Michael Gallup. It was like Gallup is like, you give me a postage stamp in the corner of the end zone to work with, and I will get a touchdown. And that was the best drive the Cowboys had with all three of their wide receivers working. Now, Cooper was on a bit of a snap count. He played 34% of the the offensive snaps. Hopefully, they're going to get him up to closer to a full workload. Hopefully, we're going to see more drives like that. Hopefully, Dak can get himself a little bit more uh, back to what he used to be. Hopefully, they can figure something out with the run game, which has been abysmal which all goes back to hopefully the offensive line can finally get consistent. Uh, I'm not looking for great offensive line play. I'm just looking for consistently competent offensive line play, which we've been missing the past several games as they've played. Oh, who's the, who's the left guard? Who's the right tackle? Who should we put in this week? Sorry. They really screwed up Tom is when they abandoned the fullback, right? We had a perfectly competent fullback and McGovern, he was doing great. And then they started making him play left guard and everything went to hell. What do you expect? Yeah. I I, believe me. I miss those packages with McGovern lining up. And my question is I touched down, man. We never got a fat guy touchdown. Why why can't they, why can't they use Williams in that role for crying out loud? Why has they gone away that, that, to, to, I don't understand why they just abandoned that. You know, line up, line up Williams and Steele in that that inverted wishbone thing that they tried one time. I, I'd love to see that. So, quick sidebar on that: a name I haven't really heard taking any criticism at all. Forgive me if I haven't heard it, and you have. But Kellen Moore seems to be completely skirting any type of responsibility for the offensive woes we've seen here recently. Do you think it's justified because of the lack of execution that he's calling the right plays and they just haven't executed? Or do you think maybe, hey, you know, the lack of this particular play as a good example, right? Kellen's calling the plays. 
what prevents him from calling that same play with Connor Williams back there? Is Connor Williams unable to execute the play the same way that Connor McGovern was able to? I have a hard time believing that. Well, I, I'll disagree with you on the fact that I believe Kellen Moore is starting to get some criticism. Oh, okay. Uh, you're seeing people like Stern, uh, you know, uh, some of the other guys out there that look deep into what's going on that actually break things down. And they're going like, what's happened to the play calling? And I think there is a legitimate question. Uh, Moore is just, it's like he's become more conservative all of a sudden. And it just, it looks too predictable. There's, you know, you're seeing the, you're seeing too many runs up the middle on early downs that just have not been successful. And it's not so much it's okay, you run up the middle on first down, it doesn't succeed. It's coming back to it repeatedly that's the, that's a, the issue. You know, there's no problem with trying it once because maybe you'll break off a, a, a 9, 10, 12-yard run. But when you do it, get one yard, then you come back and do it on the next series and get two yards – and then you come back on the next series and get no yards. Okay, why are you still doing this? That's kind of what I think people are starting to ask. And uh, I don't, you know, I certainly don't have any answers. I think the uncertainty with the offensive line may play a role. I think last week in particular, with having Joe Philbin, his primary assistant on the offensive line, out with COVID, uh, may have it may have led uh, more to kind of hold back also with having Mike McCarthy not available. Uh, I think maybe more was just trying to, to be cautious and not lose the game, which I always hate when coaches think that way. But, you know, this is just kind of speculation. I can kind of see how they could have gotten in the wrong mindset. Hey, everybody's back. Uh, all of the assistants are already in the building. Uh, McCarthy was joking that he was going to show up at 12.01 on Thursday, which was the first minute he could be back in the building. That's all gone. Now let's get excited. Let's, let's, start, let's start looking to use every weapon we've got as inventively as we've got. And when I say we, I'm talking about how the coaches should be looking at things. So, yeah, I, I don't think Ke Kellen is skating on it. Uh, it kind of may depend on which level of fandom you're talking at, because there are, you know, there are kind of levels of information involved. People that are, you know, some people are very casual. Some people just basically go with their priors and other people are actually out there trying to get the whole picture and look at the, the reliable sources. I'm just, I don't think he's skating and I think he needs to fix it. Fair enough. Well, looking at the offense and I'm, you know, I guess I just hadn't heard his name as prominently as some of the other culprits for what has ailed the Cowboys here recently, but I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm glad we took a little sidebar on it. Looking at the offense as a whole though, heading into this Washington game, they have all their weapons at your, at their disposal. As you mentioned, the offensive line, would be intact if Mike McCarthy decides to put it together the way that many fans have requested, have wished. But if they don't, that's perfectly fine too because they still have the three wide receiving weapons on the outside. They still have the tight end weapon and they still have Ezekiel Elliott who 
looks like he's getting healthier, at least for some, and for his case included, the 10, you know, the 10 days between games looks like it's doing some good. Now, who knows, you know, if him fully practicing means he's actually fully over the knee injury, or if that's something that he's ultimately going to have to get surgery on at the end of the season, we don't know if that's the type of injury that he's dealing with. And they've been very hushed about it, but when they match up against this football team, stop me there. If you had a comment on it. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the Zeke's knee injury. Yes. Okay. Word was out on Wednesday that uh, MRI results showed it was not a bone bruise, which means there was no fracturing involved. Uh, it's just a banged up knee. So it's, it's the kind of injury that will get better with time and a little bit of rest. Okay. It's not the thing that could lead to uh, uh, surgery. And that was, I thought that was an important development that I saw. Uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, that's that's really crucial stuff to know. Yeah, that definitely is, and that makes me feel a little bit better going up against this Washington team, who defensively, you know, has not been the Washington team of of recent seasons. Despite their recent win streak, their defense has struggled. And according to Pro Football Focus, not a single one of the cornerbacks that the Cowboys will be facing on Sunday is ranked in the top fifty in terms of cornerback grades by pro football focus. So you would think they would have a decided advantage on the outside and would be able to take advantage of that through the passing game. On the other hand, right. A lot of people have complained that what has ailed the Cowboys offense and what hasn't looked quite right in recent weeks is their run game. So your Kellen Moore for this weekend, Tom, do you attack the Washington football team? by trying to establish your run game once again and get back on track on that front? Or do you let Dak drop back, do what he does, and try to put up a 40-burger against the football team by throwing it all over the yard? I go pass first. The running game initially is going to be to the outside because that's where the Cowboys had the best success against the Saints is when they got outside the tackles. That was – Tony Pollard's long touchdown run. That was, I think, Elliot had a 10-yard run uh, outside of right tackle. Um, I wouldn't worry about running up the middle until you find out what you can do with the passing game and uh, some occasional outside runs. I'm looking to get down the field on the arm of Dak Prescott and score, hopefully get a couple of score leads. Then I can start worrying about feeding the ball to Zeke a little bit and grinding some clock and starting to wear down the football team when they're in a position where they've got to hurry up and catch up. Yeah. Cause we know the Cowboys will absolutely turn to the run game when they're up by two scores with five minutes to go in the fourth. Right. Yeah. Oh wait, they did usually. Yeah. Okay. Usually. Uh, no, <laughs> sure. And I, and I tend to agree, right. Pass first, you know, use the run when you're in a position where, you know, the clock is on your side, right. Is your friend. Um, again, that also helps because Washington has been kind of playing a time of possession game as of late uh, over the last four games, they've averaged about 33 to 34 minutes of possession per contest. Now, a lot of that is buoyed by the fact that they had 41 
minutes of possession against uh, Seattle two weeks ago. But even still, I mean, against Tampa, 39 minutes. Against Carolina, 35 minutes. Against the Raiders, 33 minutes. So they've been holding on to the ball. That's what they want to do. Take a little bit of that away from them. And then that forces Heineke to have to put the ball in the air. And that ultimately, I think, plays into the Cowboys' hands. So prediction time, Tom. We've been fairly decent, right? Uh, I believe we both picked a double-digit win over the New Orleans Saints. People say it was ugly, but guess what it was? Yeah. Yeah, I think I picked I think I picked an 11-point win, uh, and it wound up being a 10-point win. So Look at you. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'll take the wins when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I actually have already – gone uh, and put this on record uh, on our live stream. And I think the Cowboys are going to win. And the Tuesday thir- prediction, that's early. That's early yeah. to put it on the board. Yeah. yeah, RJ hit us up and I was like, <clears throat> so I had to come up with one real fast. But I, I still think this is a good good one. I think it's going to be a 34-19 to 19 win with the 19 points coming because Washington is going to have trouble with an extra point or two. And that's going to lead to the weird kind of score. You know, they'll get three touchdowns, but they'll miss an extra point and then fail on a two-point conversion or however that works up, something like that. And so that's where you get to that that margin of victory for the Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys will – it'll be one that'll be a little bit nervous up to about mid-third quarter, but then they'll they'll get something probably – a big defensive stop a turnover and start to put it away. I think it's going to be a bit of a nail biter in the end. Um, Now I say that, and I'm going to give you the score prediction and you're going to say nail biter, but I'll explain why Cowboys win 34 to 21, but that's only because they're up 27, 21 late Heineke is driving and someone in the secondary, I won't say who yet because I don't want to, totally stamp on everything but someone in the secondary is going to turn a pick six into a touchdown or someone on that defensive line is going to get a turnover for a touchdown and the Cowboys are going to look like they cruise to a victory when actually it was a little bit dicey there in the end so can can I make a prediction for you fire away I'm ready for Micah Parsons to get a pick six he's done everything else Man, uh, if he gets a pick six, then my hope is that they'll put him on offense for one play and, and we can maybe see what he does there as well. Because, boy, um, if he is not at this point the runaway defensive player rookie of the year, that's a given in my mind. But mm-hmm. to me, he's scratching the surface of defensive player of the year. And I might argue from a team perspective, has there been a more important player to the Dallas Cowboys 2021 success than Micah Parsons? Mm, I would be hard to say someone, even Dak even, is, is I, done I, more. I agree. Even Dak, I would be hard pressed to say has done more to, you know, put the Cowboys where they are than. Now, now by definition, the quarterback just plays the biggest role of anybody on the team. Of course. But, yeah, if you just look at the quality of what Parsons did, and really that's a tremendous parallel because what Parsons has come in and done is 
very similar to what Dak Prescott came in and did as a rookie. It was hilarious that people were talking about uh, Matt Jones being in the, having the best season of a rookie quarterback in forever. And, you know, I think it was Shereen Williams, the first to get on social media and scream like, do you not remember one Dak Prescott in 2016, 13 wins? What, what do you mean? You haven't seen that. It just happened. And I understand because people just forget that people forget that Dak Prescott was a fourth round quarterback thrust into having to start by two injuries to, to, to first Kellen Moore, which moved Dak up to the, to the backup position. And then Tony Romo went down in preseason and they had to thrust him into starting. And all he did was have one of the most phenomenal rookie seasons a quarterback has ever seen and now it's like nobody remembers. Incredible. Well, we will never forget, Tom, and thank you for reminding us. Thank you for also, I'm sure it was no coincidence, reminding me that I buried Mac Jones like two weeks ago, said the Patriots would lose four in a row when they faced the Titans, Bills, Colts, and Bills, and sure enough, they won two in a row. But you know what? He threw two freaking passes for completions this past week. So don't give him credit just because they beat the Bills in a horrible condition game. When they go up in Buffalo, he's going to get his ass beat. They're going to get brought back down to earth. I'm still standing by it, Tom. And they're going to get waxed okay. by Indy this weekend. I am not okay. I'm not buying Mac Jones. Gee, why don't, don't you tell do us it. what you really feel? I will not do it, Tom. <laughs> and how but dare let- you make me? Let no, let me tell you this, what I think we are finding out, you know, there was this whole, when, when Tom Brady decamped to go to Tampa Bay because Bill Pelichick decided he really didn't want him anymore, there was this huge debate about was the New England success because of Brady or Belichick. I think what we're finding out that it was both. What we may have discovered is, had Tom Brady not been playing for Bill Belichick, he would probably have been a forgotten quarterback by this time. Mm. Bill Belichick can apparently make just about anybody reasonably competent into a functional NFL quarterback, which says to me that four or five years from now, you may be looking at Mac Jones as one of the better quarterbacks in the league, not because that's where he is now, mm-hmm. but because he has the, the sensei. So I don't know. And, you know, obviously Belichick is not an offensive mind, but he, there's something he does about putting his quarterbacks in a position to succeed and not having over, overrun it. And by the way, I've got – I for about the past three weeks, I've had the Patriots as my favorite to take the AFC championship. Oh, my God, Tom. Well, we will put a bet on that, sir, when we get down to it. In fact, I'll, I'll take you in every round they're in. I'll take whoever they're playing. I don't even care. I don't even need to know who they're playing in the first round of the NFL playoffs. They're not going to wind up with the one seed. They will be playing week one uh, of the NFL playoffs. And I think they're going to get blasted. But that's just, These are, again, this is not our Patriots say, podcast, I promise you. I was going to say, those are some awfully confident things to be saying about a, 
about a team that is now exactly, uh, you know, one that is leading one game clear. Oh, I know they're clear in the NFC. They're clear in the AFC right now. And they got a decent, you know, they got a decent looking schedule to, uh, to close things out, but I, they will not. Yeah. First of all, I'll put the bet on now. If you want to say they win the one seed, I will, they will not win the one seed in the AFC. Boy, I'd be willing. I think I'd take that because the Titans are struggling. The Ravens seem to be kind of falling apart. The Titans Kansas City Chiefs. Of a, the Titans' schedule, though, is a cakewalk. Two games against okay. Houston, one against Jacksonville to end the season. That doesn't feel good. Um, I, I really, again, I feel, uh, I, I feel strongly that the Patriots will not. But I'll tell you what. If you're listening to the pod now and you've made it this far, you hit me up at RW3 on Twitter. You hit Tom up at Tom Ryle BTB, and you give us an idea for a bet payoff on this one because we are clearly at odds, and I think both of us are happy to go to the mat uh, for our opinion on this one. So, again, not a Patriots podcast, I promise you. We got to a lot of things in regards to the Dallas Cowboys, and we will continue to do that here on Riled Up on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network your number one source for Cowboys news and information. Blogging the boys, go check out the website. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page and make sure you check out all of the great podcasts here on the podcast network. Download, subscribe, and make it a part of your everyday listening, right? You can have it with your coffee in the morning or while you're on the crapper in the afternoon. So for Tom, I'm Roy. That's another pod in the books. Keep staying riled up on the Cowboys and we will see you next Thursday. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.